Welcome to the Possibility Podcast. I'm Mel Schwartz, your host, and hopefully your thought provocateur. I've been practicing psychotherapy and marriage counseling for over 25 years. And during that time, I've been so blessed to experience and witness countless breakthroughs of the people I work with as they actualize and summon new possibilities into their lives. I've written several books, including The Possibility Principle, which is the companion to this podcast. On every episode, I'll be introducing new ways of thinking, relating, and communicating to help you reach the possibilities that you may long for. Think of this as a new game plan for living. Please make sure to go to zoomwithmelschwartz.com and check out the new courses I'm offering on Zoom. The next one up, which is starting shortly, is called Cultivating Intimate and Resilient Relationships. Thank you for joining my community of possibility seekers, and please enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. In this episode, we're going to explore the nature of silence. I'm not referring to healthy silence, meditative breaks, being able to reflect and not always have to talk. I'm speaking about silence when it becomes problematic, when silence is either due to fear, self-doubt, or insecurity about expressing my thoughts or feelings, or when silence is used as a punishment. Silence can be punitive or it can be fearful. By the way, silence isn't always safer. We look so much at the consequences of the things we say and do, and we worry about them. We become anxious about them. We deliberate them. But we don't look at the consequences of what goes unsaid, and they can be profound. By the way, just as an aside, very often when I'm working with couples and I see them individually as well, and they have something positive to share about their partner, and I ask, did you share that with your husband, with your girlfriend? They shake their head and say no. We share the critical and often fall silent to sharing the positive. Boy, is that a problem. So let's take a look at this phenomenon of silence. Now, over the course of my practice in couples therapy, I find that couples who struggle in their relationships often succumb to silence. Now, sometimes they're combative and they're verbally antagonistic, but often they're silent. Sometimes it's one person who defaults to not speaking, at other times it's both. In either circumstance, prolonged periods of silence, again, not healthy pauses or meditative breaks, but long silence speaks to the absence of safe, emotional, verbal intimacy. And unless we're communicating on levels of ESP, or body language, and certainly we do communicate a lot through body language, words are the fundamental tools for us to communicate and to resolve our issues and to clarify our thoughts and feelings, but in a healthy and safe and deliberative way. Being in a relationship and resorting to silence makes no sense. Why be in a relationship? It contributes, I mean silence, to the decline of the relationship's energy or the positive energy, and it sabotages the lifeline of the relationship. 
It also, on an individual level, expresses your own need to be expressive. Too much silence can lead to despair and depression individually and as a couple. And this all happens when our voice becomes stifled. You know, telling the other person what and why you're feeling what you're feeling may lessen the reactivity. Now, reactivity works two ways. As I have shared in other episodes of the podcast and in my book, my videos, reactivity occurs when I don't see my reaction. If I don't see my reaction, I become reactive. If I can notice my feeling and share it, it would sound like this. You know, I'm feeling really upset with you right now. Let me explain to you why. That's a healthy communication. That's responsive. But when we don't notice the feeling, we become reactive. Now, when you're reactive and you express what you're feeling in the moment, you're acting on that negative feeling. But if you choose to communicate the feeling responsively, it doesn't take on an energy of its own. Problematic feelings, troubling feelings that go unexpressed tend to percolate and they boil over given time. They take on an energy of their own. And the ensuing conflict, hours or days later, may have little correlation to what you were feeling emotionally. You see, when this happens, you have no chance of being validated or heard because there's no correspondence between your hurt feeling and your actions in the moment when you're silent. Your physical reaction may reveal that you're disgruntled, upset, hurt, angry, but there's no opportunity at resolution. Now, as I said earlier, silence can fall into two different categories. Again, I'm not referring to safe, reflective silence. Silence can be controlling in an upset or disruptive relationship, and certain personalities are inclined toward using silence as a control. They probably experienced that in their own childhood, and it's used as a measure to punish other people. On the other side of the fence, there are people who are silent because of fear, fear or insecurity, which takes on several forms. If you have low self-esteem or low self-worth in general, you may tend not to express your thoughts and feelings because you're concerned about what the other person may think of what you're expressing. Then there's the fear in the relationship. If you're partnered with or in a relationship with someone who uses silence to be controlling, that serves as a lever to get you to be really fearful about what you're going to say or share. Because if you say the wrong thing, you're afraid the other person will go silent on you. It's like a seesaw. If you go into the down position, you put them into the up position. Now, when we resort to silence, we are creating our own internal monologue. And if it's a silence due to hurt or angry feelings about the other person, we're creating an entire narrative about how we think they would respond if we actually shared our thoughts with them. We may play out an entire script in which we have predetermined the other person's role. We're actually, paradoxically, controlling them against what are unwanted consequences that we're afraid of. When we do that, we're locked into a state of absolute stagnation. Communication stalls, and the relationship has little chance to evolve. It does damage. When there's no opportunity for resolution, let alone growth, 
the relationship begins to wither. I recall working with a couple. I'm going to call her Amy. She went to great lengths to avoid displeasing her husband, Martin. She desperately wanted more engagement with him, but she found that she easily upset and derailed him no matter how she tried not to. She would deliberate at length what she could feel safe sharing with him. She would talk with me about that in great detail. Martin, when he was upset with Amy, would actually go for days in silence to punish her for her transgression. Now, this is an example of punitive silence, and it percolates to an absolute heightened intensity for both people. There's no opportunity for resolution. In both circumstances, silence becomes completely non-participatory. What's the purpose of being in a relationship if we don't communicate in a participatory way? So think of expressing your voice as being life-affirming. Well, manipulative silence is life-defeating. People who default to silence may say, he won't really listen, or she'll only throw it back at me, I don't want to fight. Although that thinking is understandable and may come from experience, it injures yourself because we invalidate ourselves when we shut down our own expression. But there's a way to learn how to be heard, which is an acquired skill. I'll be speaking about it just briefly here. And that's an approach that can improve our chances of being heard. When you have to prepare to think about articulating something that you think is going to be difficult or challenging for the other person to hear, share a few sentences as a preface to what you're intending to say, kind of foaming the runway, so to speak, so that you'll lessen the reactivity on the other person's part. I do that, and I kind of set the stage to lessen the chance that my words will fall on deaf ears. Think about athletics. Some people stretch before they run. In baseball, I think about pitchers warming up before they face the first batter or studying before you take a test. As importantly, we need to ease thoughtfully into a challenging exchange or what we think will be. It may sound like this. I have a problem and I'm wondering if you can help. Or I'm confused about something. Can you help me try to understand? Or even more to the point, there's something I really want to talk with you about, but I'm afraid that you're going to be hurt or reactive or shut me down, so I don't know what to do. I need your help. You see, those few sentences quiet the tendency to be reactive. When you can learn to frame your comments with this prefacing or enrolling of the other person, rather than just jumping into what could be a provocative subject, it opens the doorway to a safe communication. The other people who may tune us out may be triggered by specific words or topics or our tone, but it's anchored in the memory of previous impasses and unresolved conflicts. More often than not, other people, yourself included in this case, may appear to be defending their territory and preparing their rebuttal instead of being present in the moment. Remember, if you can say, I'm struggling with something, I need your advice. The other person might likely say, sure, what's the problem? Well, I have something to share with you that I really need for you to hear, but I'm anticipating you might get angry or shut me down. You now have a far better chance that they are listening. A relationship means two people relating. 
How do we accomplish this without words? A relationship requires mutual participation, not separate and distinct silos. Relating means participating. To participate, you need to find your voice. So whichever end of the spectrum you're on that I've described, whether you are insecure, fearful, and apprehensive about how the other person will react, well, use enrolling the other person, foaming the runway, whatever expression helps you find your voice. Finding your voice is essential. And if you use silence as a manipulation, as a punishment, ask yourself, how you learned to do that. You'll likely find it back in your childhood. Refer to my work in the possibility principle around the concept of wave collapses, how our beliefs, how our truth, how our insecurities all relate to these unique and profound experiences of our childhood. Think about what role silence plays in your life. Is it healthy? Is it due to fear, insecurity? Is it due to manipulation and anger? Come to understand your relationship with silence, and if you need to make any adjustments, make them. You will grow. Your communication will certainly operate on a higher level, and it should be of great benefit to you. So, looking at silence now in hindsight, reflective, contemplative silence, important. And by the way, there are times when choosing to be silent makes sense, not Choosing to make a correction in an argument or a heated debate, thinking, is this important? Well, that's a healthy silence. Not trying to win an argument is a healthy silence. But overall, silence can be destructive. It can constrain our relationships with ourselves and with others. So take a look at silence and ask yourself what role it plays in your life. Well, thank you. Looking forward to speaking with you again shortly. Remember to check out zoomwithmelschwartz.com for my upcoming course called Cultivating Intimate and Resilient Relationships. As always, stay safe and be well. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Possibility Podcast with me, Mel Schwartz. To learn more about this episode's topic and other similar subjects, please be sure to check out my book, The Possibility Principle. Your feedback is always welcome. You can comment on this or any episode of the Possibility Podcast by simply visiting melschwartz.com and clicking on the podcast link in the menu. You can also reach out via email to mel at melschwartz.com. The very best way to make sure you never miss an episode of the Possibility Podcast is to follow the show and subscribe for free in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll get new episodes as soon as they're released. And while you're at it, please take a moment to rate and review the Possibility Podcast an Apple podcast, or the podcast app of your choice. Ratings and reviews help raise the visibility of the Possibility Podcast, and that makes it so much easier for new listeners to discover the show. So thank you for your honest review. 
Thank you for listening. And until next time, have a great day and keep summoning up all those new possibilities that await you.